target. Maximum firepower. Ice for impact! Welcome to the Brace for Impact podcast, where we tell you how to be better at Star Wars Armada. Today we're going to analyze our last battle report and talk about the blue objective cards. Uh, so our last battle was uh, episode 10, uh, Hydean Way uh, Patrol Group versus Strike Blitz Fleet. Uh, so what did you think of what do you think of this match? This was one of my like favorite matches that we've done. It was just uh, so swingy as to like who was going to win. You know, yeah. like you would have like a really good turn. I would have a really good turn. And so my idea of like who was winning in the game like kept changing very often. Where I think I was doing like really well. And then it, it was it was just a crazy game, I think. I really liked it. Yeah, I didn't really like I think turn three was the first time I thought I was winning. And then I immediately felt like I was losing until the end of turn five when I was thinking I was going to win again. It was really wild. Yeah, really fun game. Um, the objective, I think, was most wanted, uh, which didn't... Yeah, so let's, let's, break it, let's break it down from there. So, like, the objective and setup, like, we had most wanted fighter ambush and solar corona. Was it solar corona that you, you picked? I thought it was superior positions. Were they my objectives? No, they were my objectives. I thought I had superior positions in there. Because oh. I hate solar corona. I would never... Oh, I... I looked at the cards on the on the table, and I'm pretty sure one was Solar Corona, but I could be wrong. But yeah, we ended up playing Most Wanted, and the reason I picked... So why why did you pick that over the, the Fighter Ambush and Solar Corona? Well, Solar Corona makes me... Or, or not Solar Corona, but... E either one of those, right? Because it's, it's not... The, they're the same, but... They're not, because I have so many squadrons. <laughs> Right, but they're the same in that they make me deploy everything first, which I do not want to do yeah. against a Sloan list. And then the other one being Fighter Ambush. I, I actually debated Fighter Ambush versus Most Wanted for a long time. Mm -hmm. Because because it would help you in deployment. Fighter Ambush gives me a big deployment advantage because you can't deploy your fighters until later. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, that might be quite swell for me. However, it would mean that your Sloan fighters are on me round one, you know? And yeah. I think a lot of this game was me holding off or avoiding or skirting as much of the Sloan fighter ball as I can. I effectively flew around the squadrons, sniped the victory, and then sniped the Quasar, and the game ended. If the fighters had more time to jump my ships i i don't think that i would have won that game if it was fighter ambush yeah i mean when when you put it like that you did exactly that you you basically had your uh distraction ball of x-wings uh to intercept the the sloan fleet like obviously they got destroyed they lasted less time than like... i thought they would actually they they performed worse than i was hoping for um yeah, for sure. But it, it's like a fully kitted out, like, Sloan interceptor squadron. Like, I don't understand what 
stands up to that. 60, 70 points of squadrons can't even do anything against that. You know, it just gets completely slapped. I could have done it more effectively, though. Like, I think Jan wasn't really using her braces to save the X-Wings. I, I will say that yeah. Biggs was super cool spreading the damage around, but I had one of the X-Wings not close enough to share the damage, so he ended up actually surviving most of the game while the rest of them were all wiped mm -hmm. out. Part of me wonders if just pulling them back and having them stay closer to my ships was the better move, or what I did end up doing, which was basically engage the Sloan Ball before they reach my ships, was the better move. Um, hard to say, but you know, I did what I did. Yeah, I think like, like if you had uh, a ship where your squadron ball was, I think that would have been worse. Yep. You know, because then you lose the activation advantage and and everything. Yep. Uh, if I had a ship with two flak dice, I might have been more uh, brave about approaching the Sloan Ball. And that's yeah. kind of why the, the GR-75, you know, if you look at like end of round one, end of round two, end of round three, it's trying to stay between the Sloan Ball and the rest of the fleet because it's got the most... That's something you're really good at doing yeah. that I just... I just don't have down yet is you're really good at screening with your GR 75s yeah. to block any kind of approach from your, it's the best flacker I've got. And if it dies, like it dies, right? Like it's not like that many yeah. points. So, um, so the match proceeded from there and I kind of swung around, got the luckiest crit of my life to comms noise down a victory going speed one to speed zero. And then that was deleted awful. it. Uh, basically that same turn, I think that was all turn three. The victory was able to take out one of my, unfortunately, flagship and a GR-75. Uh, the rest of my fleet... You mean uh, MC-30? Oh, and, oh, the, the flagship and the MC-30. Yeah. Or the GR-75, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I fly around and I get admonition up the Quasar's ass at the beginning of round six and double arc it for the double APT win. Mm-hmm. Which is obnoxious. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, it was obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I had a really lucky game for sure, and I think, um, yeah, it was a blast. It, that game was really fun. Yeah, that that was really fun. Um, so for, so for one of the comments that we had, I I can't see it. Did did they like delete their comment or something? It's on Discord. Because I I know that. Oh, it's on Discord. Okay. Um. Yeah. One of the comments for for the video was the target priority for round three. Yeah, so the, the feedback was basically like, you know, like 50-something minutes into the video, right? We're in round three, and your Victory Star Destroyer has a lot of targets. It's got my mm -hmm. flagship in the rear arc. It's got uh, Admonition in the front arc at black range, and it's got a GR-75 in the front arc at, I believe, blue range. It may have even been red, but you had decaps, I think. Yeah. Well, I I still had disposable capacitors, so I had yeah, admission in the rear, or admission in the front, foresight in the rear, GR seventy five, and a CR ninety, or like two CR nineties in the front, that I think were all in range. Yeah, so you could have attacked anything, and what you decided to do was first shot to the flagship, and it just got the deed done. Uh, which removed my admiral from the table, Mon Mothma, so my evades suddenly got worse. Um, and then you mm -hmm. attacked and deleted the GR-75, 
Um, and I guess the feedback was, hey, why not try to take out admonition because it's the last threat on the board. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And I'm, I mean, the thing with that is I just couldn't kill admonition. That, that was it. Like, like, I can sink a shot into admonition and it not die because there's no way I'm going to kill a full health with full ready defense tokens admonition that can cancel dice. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it just can't happen. Still get killed. And then the GR75, which is still going to be alive at that point, just turns into the Quasar and then shuts off my squadrons, which is really what helped me out at least yeah. kill another ship. The, like, uh, that, like, that the, game. The, the, like a really good roll out of the front arc of your victory, because it rolled, you know, what, seven dice, because it had spinal, um, would be probably about seven or eight damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at like the right. Higher. That's like a really good roll, right? But yeah. with admonition, I'll you know use an evade, cancel any, double and maybe hits. cancel a double hit. So now it's six damage, and then I redirect it, right? And I take mm -hmm. you know the front arc and the side arc lose their shields, and then that's it. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, unlikely to get two accuracies. So there's no way you're preventing the redirect. There's no XI seven. So six damage is going on shields no matter what, right? Yeah, it's possible. Like you could have done more than that, but I guess the idea was that combined with later in the game in round I think four and five, most of your squadrons go after the CR nineties because admonition is full health and has all its tokens, um, mm -hmm. because the victory didn't shoot at it. So it still is around as this threat that's not hurt. You know, in a theoretical different scenario where the victory did shoot at admonition the gr75 is still alive to continue to slice or tools things and admonition is more damaged so maybe it's able to be killed by the squadrons because now it only has four health but i think admonition yeah. deals with squadrons pretty well by discarding you know i would have three more tokens to discard i could basically nullify three full attacks from squadrons before squadrons yeah, yeah. And and yeah, that's the real problem is even if you get damaged, you can just cancel a dice, cancel a dice, cancel a dice, and then the same outcome happens, except worse because the GR-75 would cut in, turn off my squadron commands, and then you just run away from them and I can't do anything. Right. Because I've, I've got interceptors, I don't, I don't have many rogue squadrons, so they need to be pushed. Yeah. Which is kind it of would be interesting issue. to see what would happen if we reset up the game from that moment in round three and you did attack admonition and see like okay how does the game play out from here it's almost like a, a fork mm -hmm. alternate reality it sets off a bunch of different chains of events um but it was such a yeah. close game either way you know like it was really close and like that scenario only works if i do like max damage with the victory which I mean that's that's a far cry. Like, right, you could have also done I can, I can four damage with the victory, right? You, you could have just as easily done like accuracy crit hit on your blues and then like hit two blanks blank on the reds, blank on the reds crit, right? Yeah. Like now you yeah. lock down one of my redirects, I use the other redirect and I take four three shield damage because I discard an evade, right? <laughs> it's like now it's like wow, yeah, you really like, fucked up. You didn't kill the GR seventy five, right? 
exactly and then i'm i'm out uh activation advantage i'm out everything yeah. you know then it's like i was just going for the what i assume to be the more correct situation yeah. the more guaranteed ship being killed right yeah it's like delete a gr75 or on the low end do barely nothing to the admonition or on the high end still don't kill it but maybe take some shields away it's like i just went with in my mind the better option of of just deleting the gr75 outright what uh if you could start the game again from from like the setup phase uh, like yeah. what changes would you make in positioning or or approach to that to that game to maybe win okay so one of the things i was looking at i'm just looking at with our ships already fully deployed i had i think i had pretty good um advantage in deployment i think all your stuff was down before i put the victory down because you had so many squadrons because i had so many squadrons i put the victory on the far mm -hmm. left you know basically pointing at all of your your little corvettes and everything thinking that i would just erase 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 yeah. erase and then the game would be over. Um, but if, uh, I just wasn't expecting um, the speed increase from the MC-30s and that they would just get right in my face, right at black range, and I just wasn't expecting it. So doing it again, I'd probably put the victory on the right-hand side of the um, leftmost Gazanti, kind of in that pocket area. Yeah. Or maybe even on the right-hand side of the Quasar. So that it can, then you have to run through all the squadrons to get to the victory. And then after, you know, however much damage is done or however many uh, defense tokens are stripped at like turn five and six, the victory shoots and just erases everything. Something that in previous matches you did really well was deploy your fleet in a tighter, tight ball. A, yeah. a pack or a group. Uh, this game, the victory being off to the side, meant you had to make a hard choice, which was, mm -hmm. I'm swinging out to the, from from the camera's perspective, the left side of the board with my fleet. If your victory mm -hmm. doesn't want to get wrapped around and attacked from the side or the rear, it has to point toward the edge of the board away from the rest of your fleet. And yeah. then once you did that, it became like a lonesome target. Yeah, and you just clipped it off, and, and nothing was there to help it really except a bundle of squadrons, but not my full bundle, yeah. you know? What what I would have done differently, and I, I think if you deployed the victory over by the Quasar, I lose that game eight times out of ten. Yeah, that's that's really what I think. But I just, I was thinking I would have more chances to shoot with the victory because i had i had disposable capacitors you know you probably would have if it wasn't for that crit, like, dude. yeah that crit really fucked and me also up. i did make a like i when i decided to go speed four on my mc30s and charge into your victory in my head i was like i'm gonna lose this game but i'm gonna kill the victory right and that's why i made that yeah. decision was like i'm racing these squadrons they're tearing my shit apart. I need to go as fast as possible. I can't slow roll it over to the victory, let him get his squadron ball all on top of me, remove all of my defense tokens, and then have the victory go, gah, 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 right? 
I think that's what saved you the game was was doing that because I wasn't expecting you to do yeah. that. It felt like you were slow rolling it, and then you just came charging in, and you were you went from red range to black range, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, the only thing I would have done differently was when I activated the MC30s on I think round two. I activated my flagship before your victory, so it took an unnecessary shot at close range. Um, I could have just yeah. activated force, uh, activated Admo, and then Foresight, and I probably would have had a double arc, and I probably wouldn't have taken any damage on the flagship, so that it probably would have survived the shot on the next round from your rear arc. Um, yeah, that's true. And then you would have absolutely trashed me. Yeah, because he was also set up to get to the Quasar on round five instead of on round six. So, like, yeah, that was a that was a screw up that brought the game kind of like it almost made up for More the even, crit yeah. that I got that was really lucky. Yeah, 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 I agree. Cool. Well, that was a fun game. You want to move on to our blue card objective review? Yes. Awesome. So we're going to go over all of the blue objective cards, and we'll start with the core set objectives mm -hmm. and kind of analyze like how are they competitively, how do they help you win, what kind of fleets should you bring if you're kitting out this specific objective card, and uh, maybe how fun they are, and then we'll, we'll give them like a, a, gr a letter grade rating on like how, how much we like that card. Yeah. So we'll start with Dangerous Territory. One of the core set objectives, obstacles must be placed in the setup area beyond distance five of both players' edges. And you put an objective token on each obstacle. And then throughout the game, if a ship lands on an obstacle, you can remove the objective token and get a 15-point victory token. Uh, the second player also has the effect of like obstacles don't negatively impact their ships. Which is really uh, good. Yeah. That's true. What so do you what think do you of think? this... Oh, oh I got I there first. Is, you got there first. Um, what do I think of this one? I don't like dangerous territory much as an objective, as a blue objective. I think there's just fundamentally better objectives than it to take. In terms of like trying to win the game. In terms of trying to win the game, yeah. Dangerous territory, like the maximum amount of victory points that you can get is ninety, but realistically, the the amount you'll get is like. 30 or 45 you know because Oops. you place three i place three so i'll place three where i can get them you'll place three where you can get them and yeah. it, it kind of evens out along the course of the game you know dangerous territory is a classic example of like a core set objective card that was very conservative in its design it's like hey people that are new to this game here is a safe objective card that's really easy to understand and doesn't have a huge impact on the battlefield, right? Yeah. The problem with it that I have is it gives too much decision-making potential to first player, and the whole point of these objective cards is to make up for the fact that you're not first player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so first player being allowed to place three of the obstacles, for me, is, is almost like a no-go on this. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm second player... I'm going to put three obstacles near my ships where I think I'm going to deploy them. And first player is going to deploy three obstacles near where he wants to deploy his ships. So he can get some points. Now, you know, depending on first player's list, they're probably not picking this card if they have, you know, 
really large ships or ships with low hull and you know they don't want to jump on on these rocks and get these crits and that kind of thing um or or first player has an interdictor and definitely wants to pick this and then now they're happy that you put this in your list right so they just move all the uh, obstacles everywhere and yeah yeah, yeah that's a nice because it just gives too much decision making to to first player and at the most, at your best case scenario, right? Like you, you just get like forty-five points. Okay, great. Yeah, it's just so neutral because, it's like, if you both are playing well, then it's like it just evens out, and then it's okay. The one thing I'll say for dangerous territory is it's pretty good for superstar destroyer lists because, I mean, that thing has a fat ass. You can set and, it up so you can grab three on turn one, right? Yeah, you can set it up to where you can grab three. And then you just don't have to worry about maneuvering, really, yep. and like landing on two different obstacles when you're turning with an SSD is pretty nightmarish. So, just having no effect is really good. Yeah. I also find it kind of. I mean, yeah, it's not fun, particularly because it doesn't do much to the game, mm-hmm. and it's not um, competitively super helpful very often. Right, dangerous territory. You 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 pick this objective if you've not played the game very much yet. Yeah, and in that case, it's fine. So I give it a C. I agree. It's like a C. It's just, it's all right. It gives you. It gives. It does give second player uh, a benefit of not having to worry about the asteroid or debris field effects. But it's it's such a minor thing. And you can't really build a fleet around dangerous territory, really. It's just a C. It's, yeah. Move on. Move on. Intel sweep. Uh, so you place your obstacles, and then players alternate placing five objective tokens in the setup area. They must be placed uh, kind of distance five from the edges, distance three from another objective token, um, and then each player chooses one of their ships to be an objective ship, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, when your objective ship reveals a command dial, you can remove an objective token at distance one, and then you, you kind of remove it and you get a victory token, and whoever has the most of these objective tokens at the end of the game gets 75 points. What do you think about this one? This one seems kind of similar to Dangerous Territory and where you're, and where you're going around the map trying to pick up Right, the objective, objective tokens, tokens aren't on the obstacles. They're mm-hmm. off of the obstacles. And you don't get points for each one. You get points for having the most. Yes. Right? It's like that's, uh, the other interesting thing is only one ship is allowed to pick up tokens. Yes. So if that ship dies, then, then you don't get any more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And beyond distance five means like in the very middle sliver of the board. So it's going to be where the action is. You can't. You can't put them off to the side. I don't like this objective very much. Um, but there are cases where it can be good. Um, like if you have uh, strategic squadrons and you can just pluck away all the objective tokens from the center of the board and then you can get three. All you need is three because there's only five. You pick up three and then you've got a 75-point swing. Pretty, pretty all right. It's just boring, and there's this disadvantage of telegraphing what your ships are doing, which I don't like. Like, by placing the objective 
or assigning an objective ship, they know that it's going to go after objective tokens. So like, so they know where it's going to be. And they know where it's going to be. I don't like those kinds of objectives that telegraph like what I'm trying to do. You know, like where my ships are going or or what they're they're doing. You know. What what I will say is. This is better in terms of creativity and fun factor and competitive viability in most aspects than dangerous territory, right? Yeah. It's more creative and fun in that, hey, you have this one objective ship that has to be the one that picks them up. That gives you some a lot more thought about, okay, what kind of ship do I want to be the objective ship? Do I want to be a fast ship? Do I want to be a sturdy ship? How do I want to lay out my route for it? Because I want to make sure, hey, I'm second player. I'm putting three tokens. I better make sure that I'm lining this up so that one, two, by the end of the third round, I've got all three of them. Yeah. Right? However, the fact that there's only one objective ship and this, the first player can just kill your objective ship uh, makes it really tough for me to recommend picking this from a competitive standpoint. This is another thing of like, too much power for first player um you know unless you have like a jane you know a jane is light that's got engine text or something you know and it's like flying around the map and you know you got a good set plan on how to pick up these tokens and not have that ship die yeah like well really like, like this this reads to me like you want to be able to pick up three objective tokens which is pretty doable yeah. Um, you're second player, so you place three, and then first player places two. So you're already at the advantage. Um, I would say if, you're, if you've got a carrier squad, and you've got something with, with strategic, and you can pluck them and, and set them up to where your opponent can't get them, that's pretty good. Right. You bring them um, to you with your yeah, you VCXs or shuttles or whatever. Well, the problem is you bring them with your VCXs, because shuttles for Empire just aren't good. Right. I mean, they're just not as good as VCXs at, at strategic. They don't have as much of a role. So really, it's like a rebel card that says, like, if you've got a, a VCX or two, like, this is a really good option. Yeah. I, I would say this is for strategic shenanigans fleets. For sure. This is a B, because you can build a list that is designed to take advantage of this with some strategic, with some fast ships or some heavy ships, and you kind of like can customize your fleet to be like, oh, how am I going to tackle this objective and get those 75 points? Because 75 is enough points to where you're like, hey, this could make a difference. You know, this yeah, could be a big sure. thing. Um, you know, now you're talking about basically the cost of a, a victory, whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's very difficult to get 75 points in dangerous territory. It's very easy to to find a way to get 75 points in, in Intel sweep. Yeah. And I think 100 is the threshold for a tournament bracket. So it'll take you from, what is it, a 6.5 to 7.3? Yeah, 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 that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot of points. And yeah, I think for, for beefy ships, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good option because you can set up the route and then it's like, it can't really be stopped like an ISD, yeah. you know? And Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. This is a B. Next one. Gosh, I love this one. Minefields. The second player places all the obstacles. See that? We're not giving first player any decision making. He can place them anywhere in the setup area, even deployment zones. This is fantastic. And must place them beyond distance five of each other, then places six objective tokens. Each one placed at distance one of an obstacle and not within distance one of another objective token. And then the rule is if a ship 
lands within distance one of an objective token, remove it from play, roll two blue dice, the ship is dealt damage cards for each hit or crit, with the, the crit being a face-up. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, so minefields... You really fucked people up with minefields. Why? In, in, the, in the past, you've really fucked people up with minefields. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's just like, it's an objective where I feel like you can go home and, like, plot out what evil shit you're gonna do to the other player with, like, oh, how am I gonna place all these up? Like, you know, like, you can play around with, like, your map beforehand to think about, like, okay, how am I gonna really fuck his day up, right? Like, mm -hmm. I wanna catch... So th there's a few different ways to approach it, right? Like, you can approach it, um, you know, stuff stuff as many mines in, like, the left-hand side of the board or the right-hand side of the board, and basically what you do is you say, hey, first player, you're gonna not deploy over here, you're gonna deploy over there, right? Because nobody wants to run through the dense minefield area, yeah. right? Or you can spread the mines over where, you know, anywhere, right? And make all the choices kind of annoying, right? In that situation, they're most likely to avoid most of the mines if they're clever with their positioning. But, you know, there's, there's in most scenarios, right? If, the, if first player is dropping nav com command dials turn one, mm -hmm. they're going to find some way to get most of their ships through your minefield regardless of yeah. how you position it for the most part the thing you want to be careful about is deploying the ship does not trigger mines so you want to back up a little bit don't get too excited about the fact that you can deploy in the deployment zone you don't care about that you want your mines to be where that ship is going to want to be at the end of rounds one and two yeah and also the um the obstacles i, I can't can they place uh deploy over obstacles i think they can Mines? No, no, uh, ships can deploy on obstacles. They can deploy on obstacles, because I think it's only when it ends its movement does it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you also won't be able to area deny like that, but... Right, so you want to back up, I think, a little bit from the setup area. And then also, like, you want to have Dodonna as your commander, so when they <laughs> do get a crit, you can, like, pick a nasty one for them. Yeah, that is nasty. I mean, I think it's nasty enough. Because it deals damage cards, it's not dealt damage. Right. So it just goes right so, to hull. Right to hull. Incredibly right good. Right to hull. Yeah. And also, if you've got um, strategic squadrons, I think I played a game with you before where you were you were pulling these around and just chasing <laughs> me with the mines. It was fucking obnoxious. I wish it worked like I could drag the mine into the ship and it would explode on contact, but you have to drag the mine into the path of the ship so that it ends its movement on the mine. Yeah, but that's not that's not too difficult. Distance one is pretty big. No, it's not. Yeah, this is this is the kind of like objective that gives you control of the board in a very mm -hmm. significant way. And I think it's really good. I'd, I'd give this um like an A. I think it's an A card. Yeah, this is an A card. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, super good. I've never seen anyone who like points their ships and is like, "I'm gonna go right into the minefield." It's just so thematic, too. Like, yeah, it's really good. I love it. Okay. Even though we've placed all these ratings on these cards and talked about them, uh, if you want to win a game, you'll just pick the fourth blue card in the core set, which is superior positions. This is the best right? card. This, this is one is, of the best objective cards of all of the colors. Of, this objective card is so much better than everything else in, in the core set. 
the first player must deploy all of his ships and squadrons before the second player. If there was no other rule, and this was the only rule of superior positions, it would still be an A-tier objective. Better than every other objective card. Yep. The, the ability to force your opponent to deploy everything first can be so crazy powerful. And then on top of that, if you attack their rear hull, you get 15-point victory token every time that you do an attack that makes them suffer a damage. One damage. Not a damage card. A damage. Shield a damage. damage. You Anything. hit the shield in the rear hall, boom, a damage. If it's double arced, then you get two victory tokens. It's insane. It's so good. This card is so you good. You can get 300 points just from superior positions on top of tabling them. And do some ridiculous 700 point crushing win on a player just because they had to deploy before you. Yeah. It's just amazing. Because it gives you the advantage of knowing where their ships are going, what speed they're all at. And then you can deploy your ships in the perfect position to, I don't know, shield yourself with obstacles so that they have to run over them to catch you. Or you can just pincer them. Or, or just fucking flank them. It's just, it's so good. Yep, especially if you bring a big fighter wing. Because yeah, it is, even, even with deployment after them, like, first player is going to try not to show you their butts, right? They're not going to point their fleet away from you and let you get butt shots. But against squadrons, it's really difficult to prevent the rear arc shots. Yeah. Like, you know, you basically, you know, now that we're talking about the blue objectives, we talked about all of them, right? So your carrier fleet, if you don't know what to take for your carrier fleet, you take fighter ambush, precision strike, and superior positions, right? And that's like, boom, that's it. Boom. Now what do they pick? They'll probably pick fighter ambush because of the deployment advantage, but you'll still have a great time. But it's like superior positions, it's, there's, there's arguments to just farm tokens. Like if, if you've got an ISD, it's got zero shields on the front and full shields on the back, go to the back and get an extra 40 points. You know, if you're in a good spot, if it's not going to kill you that turn, send your squadrons back there, get a token, get a token, get another two tokens, yep. double tokens. And then, and then you just farm it. With your squadrons, yep. it's insane how much, how many uh, victory points you can get. This is like this is as strong as fire lanes in the amount of tokens that you can get, but is stronger because it gives you the deployment advantage. S tier card. S tier. This is one of the best cards. And that's the core set. That's the core set. So if you have Carillion Conflict, we'll go through those objectives now. Uh, first one up is navigational hazards. So you'll place all your obstacles normally except the station. And then second player will place the station in the setup area beyond distance one of all obstacles and beyond distance five of both players' edges. And then it says when a ship overlaps an obstacle and suffers one or more damage or is dealt one or yeah. more damage cards, the opposing fleet's owner gains a victory token. Then at the end of each round, the second player and then the first player will choose an asteroid to be... Oh, okay, 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 okay. This is one of those ones where they explain shit weird. So at the start of mm -hmm. the second round... Hold on, hold on. Where does it say... 
Here we go. Yeah, so at the at the end of the first round, technically, each obstacle is going to get an objective token placed on it. And then at the beginning of the second round, oh, how, this, this timing seems so odd to me. Hold on. Okay, here we go, here we go. Starting with the second player and, and alternating, each player chooses an asteroid or debris field that has no objective token on it, which we'll start off with none of them will have objective tokens on it. Then you move it, you move this obstacle token, distance one to two of its current location, then you put an objective token on it. That way, we're, mar we're basically just marking which ones have been moved yeah. already. You can't move it so it overlaps something else, like a ship squadron or other obstacle. Yeah, then at the start of the next round, you remove the objective token so you can do it again next turn. So basically what's happening here is every round, all the, object all the obstacles are moving around the board. Yeah. And if a ship lands on one, the other player gets victory tokens. Yeah. God, that was like a mess for me to get through. So, what do you think of this objective? I don't like it. It's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it can really fuck you over because it lets the first player move obstacles. Like, if you get into a position where you're by like two obstacles with one of your ships, I mean, you get to move one obstacle out of the way, but then they get to put like an asteroid right in front of your ship, and then, and then you get fucked. Like, that's not good. Not only do you get a crit, they get an objective token. That's not good. I don't like that. I don't know. I don't, I don't like this objective. It's weird. The timing is weird. The wording's weird. There's really nothing I can do to get objective tokens, like, guaranteed. Because if I go up against, like, a, a fleet that has, let's say, a bunch of small ships, they can just dial in nav and then run over the the uh, obstacle and then not land on it you know if they're that maneuverable and then it's just me my big holding ships running over asteroids every turn yeah i don't like it i would be remiss not to say jane is light chart officer interdictors ozzel jerry and maydine all like uh love it navigational hazards like they're they're just better suited to deal with it right um mm, yeah but chart officer, no. The, Don't. No one runs chart officer, dude. That's not even a card I've ever seen. I'm just saying that it's good for this objective. That's true. Um, my my point being, those are nice to bring if you want to run this. the The problem with running this for me is that you know, first player gets to choose obstacles to move as well. Yeah, I don't like right? that. So, so if you're setting let's let's say that at the end of round two you start setting you know your three obstacles you try to place them as close as you can to getting in the path of the enemy right next round he they're going to try to move as many of those out of the ways that they can yeah they, they, right? just, they just move like so yeah that's the problem you guys just end up spending the whole game moving shit out of the way of your own fleets mm -hmm. If it was, like, second player could move all of them every round, you know? Like, okay, now you're just, like, giving first player, like, a shit show with rocks? Like, uh, now we're talking, right? But because first player can just move away the stuff that you're placing in front of them, like... Yeah, really, it's just the first player moves two obstacles out of the play area, 
the first two rounds. And so now you just have three obstacles to, to position. And it's like, they'll move those two. Once, once the first two are out of the way, they'll move another one out of the way and another one out of the way. And then there's nothing. It, it right. has that same issue of, of giving too much control to the first player. I don't like that. As second player, you can only basically guarantee one obstacle because you go first when you move them, right? That one obstacle can always kind of be where you want it to be, but one obstacle is really not enough to... Justify this? Well, it's just not enough to make a ship land on it very often. You know, like most ships can deal with one obstacle in the way, especially since first player knows that this is the objective and is far more likely to dial in navigational commands on the objective called navigational hazards so yeah. you know except for like really slow fleets that will have like you know like victories and starhawks like speed two slow yeah, beasts, right that can't this. do shit like they won't enjoy this but the first player will just kind of do as much as they can to move the obstacles out of the way dial in navs dial in engineering commands and like move on with their life right it's just not that it, it's fun all of its points are for fun none of its points are for competitive you know yeah. like this is a c but if it wasn't like for the fun of like trying to move rocks around the board every turn, it would be a D. Yeah, I agree. I agree. D. Let's go on to the next Salvage one. run. The second player places the station in the center of the play area. Then the players will place the rest of the obstacles, starting with the second player, and you add two dust field obstacles at distance one to five of the station. So this has a lot of obstacles on it. Yeah. After you place obstacles, the second player will place four objective tokens in the setup area. It must be at distance one of the station and beyond distance one of all other objective tokens. Mm -hmm. So basically the station is surrounded by four objective tokens and surrounded by two dust fields and then the rest of the obstacles are somewhere around the board, right? Yep. After deploying fleets, all the second player's ships Get a nav token. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. That's becoming that's becoming better. Yeah. In, in Armada 1.5, uh, and then a special rule is when a ship reveals a command dial, that player can choose one objective token at distance one of the ship and remove it from play to gain a victory token worth twenty points. Yeah. That seems cool. Eighty point max. Eighty point max. Unlikely to get eighty points because the other person will get first player yeah. is definitely gonna at least get one ship in there. Yeah, you know, or try to right. Another um object objective that's really beneficial with uh, strategic squadrons, if you can run them out there and snatch a couple, get them out of yeah. the way of the first player ships. Yeah, this one is cool, in that you know. Everyone's going to be wanting to go to the center. It's kind of like a king of the hill kind of objective. The center of the board is where you want to be. Run over the station, get all the tokens. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. And like the fact that the objective tokens have to be distance one from each other does not mean you need to place them in like a cross shape or make a box or a square with them around the, yeah, I'd the put them station. Like, all like as close to me as possible, you know? Yeah, you put it as close to you as possible. You use the dust fields as like preventing your ships from being shot at while they approach the station. You put as many nasty rocks on the enemy's side of the board as you can because you you end up getting to place four of the seven obstacles, right? Yeah. yeah, you definitely want small ships here, like like an MSU list. Uh, 
you're seeing a theme with the blue objectives, which is like blue objectives tend to favor small fleets uh, with, or sorry, fleets with small ships, with fast ships, with ships that can move around really well. Mm -hmm. These are all like supposed to be like movement based objectives. Uh, so you you can you know bring your strategic squadrons to move the tokens if you want to that can be helpful um but also just a like two fast ships can deal with getting those 80 points pretty pretty quickly yeah for sure i like this one i don't see a lot here that is like negative other than like dust fields i don't really like playing with dust fields that's because you're aggro. I'm aggro. I don't like. It. I don't like being able to be like in a position and then being told you can't attack me. I don't like that. It feels weird to me. But like, I could. I could see myself playing playing this this kind of a objective, especially with all those tokens. Now with like you can actually do shit with tokens because before it's like, oh, I get four nav tokens. That doesn't really do anything. I was getting nav tokens round one anyway. But now I can actually right. bank them and, and use them for other things. So, so I can see a place for salvage run. Yeah. The, the the problem is like small fast ships tend to have command one. So like you're getting a, a nav token, right? Mm -hmm. But like you might have banked a token round one anyway. If you do, you'll replace the nav token. Or, so, you know. It's not like you're going to engineering squadron or concentrate on round one because you, if you take a token for it, you'll replace your nav token. So the only thing you're doing round one now is naving yeah. for the command. Maybe that's to start at speed two and go to speed three or start at speed three and go to speed four. And then you can use the nav um, token next turn to slow back down. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting objective. I, I think it's a B. I think it's a B too. I think it actually could be pretty fun. So the next objective is sensor net. After placing obstacles, the players alternate in placing four objective tokens in the setup area, starting with the first player. Each token must be placed beyond distance five and beyond distance three of other objective tokens. When a ship reveals a command dial, if it's at distance one of at least one objective token, you gain a victory token. Then its owner chooses one of these objective tokens. The other player must move that token. If he is the first player, move the token distance 1 to 2 of its current location. If he is the second player, move it between distance 1 and 4 of its current location. So so basically, you know, like place objective tokens on the board and then when you get points off of one, your opponent takes them away from you. What what are your thoughts on this objective? Hello. Oh my god. What Oh my god. I just explained sensor net. But my Discord mic was muted. Did you record it? Mm-hmm. Oh well then that's fine. I normally don't speak during sensor net. Okay, perfect. So, so I'll just edit that basically out. the last thing I said, and I'll just say it again, is so what are your thoughts on sensor net? And <laughs> that's where I was going like, hello. Um Well shit, now I gotta read it. <laughs> no, I'm caught on guard uh, here. You oh. should actually just not edit this and leave that chaos in the fucking. I'll do it. I'll do it. I live for chaos. Uh, oh, this is the one where there's the objective tokens, but you pick it up, and then 
the opponent moves it, but if it's the second yeah. player, they move it more. Yeah. I hate this objective. This objective Why? is dog shit. Why is it dog shit? First off, the players alternate placing a total of four objective tokens in the setup yeah. area, which means you get two, I get two. Yeah. Not good. I don't like being even with the first player. Yeah. I mean, there's a benefit for a first player moving them distance one to four, but that means that the first player starts the game with 30 points. Fair? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then they get to move my tokens, too, distance one to two. I'm, I'm seeing a trend with all these blue objectives. Like, they're really good for strategic squadrons. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I would I would totally take a strategic squadron and just snatch some sensor nets over and over <laughs> and over again. Distance one to two right, is so not like, that fucking far when you've got strategic that's not far at all. It basically strategic undoes it, right? Yeah, for sure. So my thought is like I'm playing a you know, I'm second player, I'm playing a fleet and I've got some strategic VCXs in there. God, I wish they would add more strategic squadrons, but um It's a totally busted mechanic. I do not agree with you. <laughs> I, <laughs> right, it should only be on absolute trash squadrons. I, I right? don't think strategic should be in the game. I think it's obnoxious. I just no. I say fuck that mechanic for squadrons. That's too good. It's really good. Like, there's just look how many interactions there are on objective it's cards. Right, obnoxious. I know you're talk. You're caught up on the thirty points that player one will most definitely be getting. Yes. But then you drag those tokens four away from them. Yeah, I mean that's far. And if they get them again, then you drag them another four away from them, right? Yeah. And they, on the other hand, are moving your two tokens only two away from you. And, like, they're probably going to want to drag them, like, sideways or backwards, right, away from your ships. But you use your strategic squadrons and keep moving them along with your ships. And then by turn three, like, your ships are just, like, covered in these objective tokens, right? Yeah. Like, it seems like... And, like, there's... 60 points up for grabs every round. So if you have control of the skies and strategic squadrons, like you're gonna get a lot more points than first player. That's true. That's true. Like you can get like a hundred points extra on for on sec on first player with this. Yeah. It's just difficult. It's difficult to do that. I would say only play this with like strategic squadrons, or if you have like a lot of ships, and you have like right. a reliable opportunity of getting the token, and then even when they move it, you can get it with another ship anyway, because they just can't move it far enough because you have so many ships. Then you can like double tap them. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting, but I'd give it a C. Yeah, it's a C. This is just it's weird. It's just too complex. It's just like shit's happening all over the place. It can really fuck up with like my plans when I'm trying to move my ships. I don't really like that. Like when first player moves the objective away from me and I'm like, ah oh, shit, I gotta turn and go get it. I don't like that shit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Alright, Papa Bear is oh here. Papa Bear is here. So the, the only blue objective card that rivals superior positions in the S class. We don't even need to talk about it. We know it's an S class card. So there's the famous sentence, the first player must deploy all of his ships and squadrons before the second player. Boom. Wow. Mic drop. There it is. Like, I can't believe they printed it on another <laughs> objective card. I know. Card. I can't believe they printed it again. Yeah, it's crazy. 
then they add in more shit. They're like, but also, after all of this deployment is done, you get to pick one of the three-foot board edges to be the solar corona. And basically, the sun is coming from that direction, and any ship that's line of that's that's got the corona inside its firing arc, you have to remove an accuracy token or an accuracy die every time you shoot in that direction. So <sighs> you make them deploy everything, right? Mm-hmm. No matter where they deploy, you just let's say they deploy in the center, right, or on their their left hand side, then you deploy on your left-hand side and put the sun to the to, to the left of you, right? Yep. So now when your fleet moves in, uh, it's got the sun at its back. Like, you're never going to have to worry about removing accuracies. And basically every single shot for the entire fucking game, you know, first player is going to be removing accuracy cards. Like, I think the last time I played this with you, I just totally ignored the fact that accuracy dice existed. Like, I would re-roll them out of my pool. Yeah. Because, like, I was just like, I'm just going to do so, like, so much damage. I know he's bracing and redirecting, like, whenever he wants, right? I'm just going to just hammer, 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 right? Because, like, it's so obnoxious. Yeah, and to be fair for, um, like, as far as reprinting it again, Superior Positions does have a big disadvantage if... Uh, Let's say you only have a few squadrons and you go up against a full 134 point carrier fleet. They can turn the tables on you by getting um, squadron superiority and then just hammering in your ships. So Solar Krona, I feel, is better for ships than uh, a squadronless. Yeah. I also think that compared to superior positions, like, like you would think like, okay, these are the best blue objective cards why would i pick solar corona over superior positions or vice versa right like solar corona is when you have a fleet with like less ships maybe you're flying a fleet with no squadrons right you're double isd or something like that like you don't want anyone to be able to shoot at butts and get 15 points right you you just want to get the deployment advantage and the and the accuracy dice thing like that's kind of like what this is this is you know we're worried about yeah it's it's really good i just hate this card yeah i hate now something it. to keep in mind is like solar corona only triggers at a, that specific time right while you attack before you resolve any attack effects so if you reroll a die and get an accuracy or h9 accuracy or whatever like you can keep that accuracy Mm-hmm. It's not like a permanent, like no accuracies can be generated. It's just in the initial roll. Oh, so like before you re-roll, you have to remove an accuracy icon. Before any any attack effects, yeah. Before, um, I think even before concentrate fire, because you can choose that after you roll. Yeah, uh, and that's an attack effect, right? So yeah, it's just you roll your dice. If there are any accuracies, take it out. Take one out and then do right? all, and the, then you uh, can yeah. all the bonuses. And, and it, rem- that. it removes that die, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. if you roll an accuracy, it's fucking gone. you you can't re-roll that accuracy. It it's out. So yeah, yeah. My my problem end. with Solar Corona is it always goes the same way. 
um, because uh, same thing with superior positions, the way to counter Solar Corona. If you're first player, I mean, the most that you can do is deploy in the center. That's the best thing that you can do. Yep. Um, what ends up happening is someone will deploy as close to the Corona as they can, because that's the smart thing to do, and first player will deploy in the center. And what ends up happening is you just kind of kite around each other in this weird circle loop, and then the game's over and it's like a 6-5. I think every Solar Corona game I've played has been like a 6-5, going yeah. one way or the other, but it's like, I can't smash with this card. It doesn't let me smash. And all, all you want to do is smash. Yeah, all I want to do is smash. Like, I never win hard with Solar Corona. I, I get that it gives a huge advantage to the second player because you got the Corona at your back. They're not accuracy anything. And the deployment. And deployment, and it's like really good, but it makes everyone play super cagey. For sure. Not very, not, not good for me. <clears throat> but this is like an, an S tier card. I will just never pick this card if I'm first player. You know? Yeah, for sure. Just just because I hate playing it, not because I, I think it would be bad or I couldn't win with it, but I just hate it. I hate it. Okay, Rebellion in the Room objectives now? Yeah, some of these are actually pretty fun. Doomed Station. The second player places the Gravity Rift in the center of the setup area. Then starting with the first player, the players alternate placing the remaining obstacles, excluding the station. Then the second player places the station in the setup area beyond distance one of all obstacles and beyond distance five of both players' edges. Right, so there's a gravity earth in the center, there's a bunch of obstacles on the board, and then there's a station. Yeah. Cool. Starting with the second player and alternating, each player... Oh, sorry, this is at the end of every round. So at the end of every round... Each player chooses an obstacle and moves it toward the gravity rift and then puts an objective token on it, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If an obstacle touches the gravity rift, boom, it's sucked into the black hole, it's gone. After all the obstacles are moved, each player sums up the command values of their ships at distance one of the station. And the player with the highest total gains a 20-point victory token. This repeats every round. Yeah. This is contested outpost, but the outpost is being dragged into a black hole in the center of the map. Yep. So it's a little bit of a twist on the yellow objective. What do you think about Doomed Station? It's cool. I like it. Um, ever since I saw uh, Master of the Fleet do that interdictor trick where they gravity rifted it, the, they pulled the station back and then put the interdictor in front of the station. And since obstacles can't overlap ships when they're moving, it just kept bumping into the back of the interdictor, and he just kept yeah. getting victory uh, tokens. And I was like, I love that cheesy shit. So uh, I run it with every um, graph shift reroute interdictor list. It's just amazing. You yep. just park it behind the interdictor, and then boom, 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 boom. It's like pulling the contested outpost with you. It's amazing. And then if you've got yeah, if you've got Brunson, then you have Brunson always on. Incredible. Yeah. What do you think about it? Um, I like it. This is a fun objective to play. I, you know, apart from the interdictor cheese, 
I don't find it super competitive to play. There's just too much variation and not enough advantage to second player, in my opinion. Yeah. So I rarely pick it in a serious kind of way. As a Rebel player, I don't have a grab shift reroute option. I just have like Ezra, and maybe Ezra could get this parked behind something. How far can he move um, stuff? He moves it like one to three, right? That's pretty Good fucking question. far. Let's see. Oh, one to two. No, yeah, well, that's still like still pretty far. That's that's as far as grab shift reroute. Right. So Ezra could pull it behind something. And then I could kind of like pull the same shenanigans with rebels, but um, maybe I will do that because he's just an officer, you know. It doesn't yeah, require he's an me to three points. Like yeah. uh, that's almost All exactly right. the same as um, as the interdictor. Uh, one, one yeah, more but point, I don't have but... to have an interdictor, you know. I can put him on a fucking transport. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool thing to do. And then you can just park it, park a quick ship in front of it, and there you go. It doesn't even have to be that fast. Yeah, that's interesting. This is. This is a C. I would say it's a C unless you have an interdictor, and then it's a B or an A or Ezra or Ezra. Well, I, I no, it, it's like a, it's still a C with Ezra, but a B with interdictor because I can move however many other obstacles are there. Yeah, and just put them in the way of your shit, you know, and it's it's just more obnoxious with an interdictor. But it's still really good. I like this objective. It's cool. I don't get to play it very often, though. I put it in like a bunch of my lists. It doesn't people don't seem to want to pick it? I think because like contested okay. outpost is so good, and I always put it with an interdictor with graph shift, so I think they just know what's coming. There's also the like the thing of like, okay, you've you've graph shifted this station behind your interdictor. Uh, the whole enemy fleet knows what you're doing and is now going to go there. That is true. Right, like that's true. So anyway, uh, hyperspace migration is next, and I'm going to explain it, and then I'm going to shut up so that you can um, ramble about it. Okay. So in, uh, in setup, you place your obstacles as normal, excluding the station. Then second player places an objective token at distance one of a three foot edge, and another objective token at distance one of the opposite three foot edge. At the start of the ship phase, the of the first and third rounds, the second player places a purgle not in the play area at distance one of an objective token. That token must be the same during both rounds. When a purgle moves, it must move toward the objective token at the opposite three-foot edge. When a purgle touches that objective token, that purgle is removed from the play area. At the end of each round, if a ship has an objective token on it, remove the token, and that ship's owner gains a victory token. Ship is at distance one from a purgle and has no objective tokens on it. Place an objective token on the ship. What are your thoughts on hyperspace migration? Um, I really like hyperspace migration, and I also think it's very good in that you can get a lot of objective tokens with it. But I feel like if you play this to the maximum ability, whoever you're playing against doesn't have a good time. This is not a fun card to play. This is like, you bring it, you win, they lose, and they're like, all right, that wasn't enjoyable. Because how hyper hyperspace migration works, basically, is you put one objective token on one side of the board, another on the other, the purgles 
like come in and then they march across the board and then go into the other objective token at the end and then disappear. What you're probably picturing is like around the center of the board, the purgles are like floating past the across the whole board and they're like everyone's trying to fight over the purgle to get the points, blah blah blah. But what I saw, uh, I think it was the fly casual, it was like one of the Polish national tournaments or, or one of those tournaments or something. What one guy did is he put uh, a token, the objective tokens, like at distance one of the, the three foot edge and just pulled it all the way down to his side of the board. So basically they would deploy at the very edge of the board on his side and just march through his deployment zone. He cocked all his ships to the left. And since Pergil can't overlap ships when they're moving, they basically just bump up against it. He kind of made a little box around the Pergil and marched like five ships just slowly across the board. And each ship got an objective token. And then at the end of the round, remove the token and you get 20 points per ship. Now, I think there's some errata saying that um, you can either remove an objective token and get a victory token or gain an objective token. You can't remove an objective token and then gain one in the same round. So you can only do it three times, but you can still get, I think, uh, more than like 120 points in objective tokens from hyperspace migration, depending on how many ships you have. Insane. Insane. I agree with everything you said. I'll also never pick this card as first player. Yeah, I really just take this card. Um, I show it to people. If they seem like they're going to pick it, I explain what's about to happen, and then they pick something else because they also know that it's unfun. I just take it so that it reduces my objective card pool because no one wants to play a game like that. I think that if they errated this card so that... It's got to be in the, like the center-ish. Well, I was thinking each of the players places one of the objective tokens. Yeah. So that if you try to put yours in your deployment zone, you know, like basically hugging the edge, they can put theirs hugging theirs, and then the, the purgle is moving diagonally across the map, right? As opposed to like... No, because they can't move through ships is the problem. Right, but at least if it's moving... No, like, you just cut your ships in and then go speed one and then march. Yeah, but at least you're not like on your own board edge anymore. Yeah, it's really the board edge because you can't really interact with that. I feel like it should be errated to say... Um, it, in the center? It has to be in the center. In the center edges. Yeah. Like, that's how it, you, you imagine it being is they just pop in the middle right. of the game and, and march through while you're fighting, you know? And then yeah. you try and get them. I think they wanted to make it so that, like, you could have, like, a variety of routes that the Pergil is taking, right? No, um, because it's, what... it's the, the three, the opposite three foot edge. Yeah, you know, it's, I know. it's like, mm, it, it should say place them in the center of the three foot edge. And then that would be cool. Because then you can both fight over it and there's Pergil everywhere. Yeah. But. A uh, very unfun card. I would say it's it's an F for fun, and um, A for winning the game. Winning, yeah. A so a C. I mean, overall C. But I mean, what are we talking about? We're talking about winning games. I would like if you have 
four ships. This is like an amazing card. You know? Yep. But, yeah. All right. Infested Fields. So for Infested Fields, you'll place your obstacles as normal, excluding the station. And then after placing obstacles, place an objective token on each obstacle. The second player places the two Exegorth obstacles, each touching a different obstacle. And the special rule is when a shipper squadron overlaps an obstacle, that shipper squadron's owner may remove the objective token to gain a 15-point victory token. And then at the start of the squadron phase, uh, after the Exegorths perform attacks, because they perform their attacks at the start of the squadron phase, you remove each Exegorth from the play area, then the second player moves the obstacle each Exegorth was touching to within one to two of its current location. At the end of the round, for each Exegorth obstacle not in the play area, the second player chooses an obstacle and places one Exegorth touching that obstacle. Yep. Uh, so essentially what's happening here is there are two exegorths on one, you know, two two different obstacles, right? They shoot, and then they go away, and then pop. And away. then at the end of the round, the second player can put them on, you know, two two new obstacles. Well, what's right? interesting is when they go away, they kind of like shunt the, the asteroid a little bit, yeah. And then you get to move it, which is super cool. And like you want to go near the obstacles for the victory tokens. Um, but you don't, because you know, an Exegorth might be there, right? Like, yeah, it's a interesting objective card. What do you think about it? Uh, I really like this objective card when I have um, a list with a bunch of squadrons. Because you don't want to run over the obstacles or Exegorth obstacles with your ships, because it'll get fucked up. Um, it's good if I have, like, a squadron ball, but I'm also kind of worried about the opponent having squadrons because the exegorths can kind of help fuck them up a little bit. It's good. I like this one. It's um, it's fun. It, you can get uh, a bunch of uh, victory tokens like really early on in the game. That's great. Yeah, and and this one I think uh, is very interesting because the second player is the only one moving the obstacles and placing the exegorths. Yeah, it's right? really good. N First player gets nothing here. And right? also there's no so, station, so it's uneven. Yeah. So the first yeah. player gets two obstacles, but the second player gets three, so you got an advantage there. And right. you have two exegorths, so you put the two exegorths on their obstacles. So if they right. land there, and then you attack them with the exegorth. Boom. On top of that, every round you get to move two obstacles distance one to two and place two more obstacles being the exegorths again right? yeah so you have a lot of options to really screw with ships um remember to place them so that the ship next round lands on it not where the ship is bumped up against yeah. it right now that doesn't do anything um this one is super fun i think it's super good this and there's a trend here with all the blue objectives Big, fat, slow fleets with low squadron counts are bad at blue objectives. This holds true here as well. You know, intel squadrons, you know, lots of squadrons, lots of ships that are maneuverable are better on blue objectives, including this one. Yeah, I, I think if you've got like a small MSU fleet, this helps you against the big hulking like Starhawk lists. 
You can just yeah. push the obstacles in front of them. They're landing on two obstacles a turn. They're getting fucked up. That's great. You know what? Hmm. Uh, I know we're not talking about Clone Wars yet, but hyperspace rings combined with this is really good because the squadrons can pick up the victory tokens. Yeah, like right away. Wild. Yeah, dude. It's so good. Uh, I, I don't know yeah, how this good is, that this is. This is a cool objective in that squadrons can directly pick up the victory tokens, right? Yeah, and then you can like move them off so they don't get killed by, by the Exegorse. But for first right. player... Well, well, actually, for second player, that is really good. Yeah. Like if you're second player, you can just nab those two that are really far away. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I really like that. I'm saying, dude. I'm hype. All right, last one. Oh wait, what 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 do you No, 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 stop, stop. What do you rate this one? B. B. Yeah, I agree. Volatile deposits. So, during setup, you'll place your obstacles as normal, adding two dust fields and excluding the station. So, we're not placing them as normal, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, while a ship is attacking a ship, the attacker, god, this one is this one is wild, actually. Yeah. While a ship is attacking a ship, the attacker can choose one obstacle at distance one of the defender. Then resolve a blue critical effect. A blue critical, each ship or squadron at distance one of the obstacles suffers a damage equal to half of the total number of crit icons in your attack pool rounded up. If the defender is one of the first player's ships, the attacker can resolve this effect with any critical icon. Wow, so second player, any crit, right, is like... Boom. Yeah. At the end of each round, for each asteroid field, each player sums the command values of their ships at distance one. Then for each asteroid field, the player with the highest total gains one victory token. So this is contested outpost for, but for each asteroid field is its own contested asteroid field, yeah. basically, right? And then on top of that, like, if you're close to them, you're also taking the risk of them exploding all over you. Yes, for sure. Because, um, like, imagine, like, I don't know, um, you know, a three red dice Architons, mm -hmm. you know, with TRC, right? Getting, you know, as second player, you get two red crits, right? And it's like, okay, so now you trigger this critical effect and every ship at range one of the obstacle, not the other ship, of the obstacle, right? takes a damage <laughs> it's like if you get three crits it's like damn now everyone's taking two damage it's crazy it is crazy i mean it's a lot of damage i'm just thinking about this as like um this is kind of like the fire and then they take of, the damage after and then they that take damage, yeah but it's also suffer a damage so you can put it on in the hull zone which isn't that terrible That's... but it still it fucks people up especially if you have a bunch of ships yeah. And the squadrons. And the squadrons, yeah. It's 10 nub times infinity, dude. Yeah, I think you like this one a lot. But, but I'm thinking of like it as um, it has the same potential of um, fire lanes as far as points go. You've got three mm -hmm. different um, objectives. The asteroid fields, which are, there's three of them. And then 15 um, victory tokens, same as fire lanes for six rounds. Um, so you can get like an infinity amount of victory points from this. Yeah. Um, the only problem is, I mean, there's three, so you'll place one, they'll place one, you'll place the second one, so you'll for sure have an advantage on your side of the board, um, but they'll still yeah. be getting um, victory tokens. Yep. I, I just keep thinking, like, 
like if someone isn't really paying attention and you get to like place all three asteroid fields because they fuck up and like go for a dust field trying to protect themselves. Yeah. Like what if you have a Starhawk with like damage control officer and like Ezra in in the fleet? Like the Starhawk obviously has his damage control officer, but like a GR seventy five has Ezra. And you just march yeah. and march and march and then you pull one of those asteroids with Ezra to like stay close to the Starhawk. And you're just yeah. getting fifteen around, fifteen around, fifteen or not fifteen, you're getting forty five around, forty five, forty five, forty five. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's a lot. With damage control yeah. officer, this is viable. For sure. Yeah, damage control officer is so good here, right? Amazingly good. Yeah. I I do I do see the Starhawk, especially because it's four command, but I think red dice ships are really good in this scenario. Yeah. Just to like shoot at the opponent, you know, near asteroid fields or other obstacles or whatever, because they're gonna they're gonna try to go to the asteroid fields, right? So uh yeah, it it's this is an A for me. Really fun. You can build a list around it that can take big advantage of it, and the other player is going to look at it and be like, "I don't know. He's got DCO. I'd really. He's got Ezra. I really don't want to fly against that in in this." Yeah, I think this one is really good. Like aside from the crit effect, like adding crazy amounts of damage potential, it's just amazingly good. Yeah. Just with like the asteroid fields being their own objectives, and and like if they do place one of the the asteroids on their side, like. They're still going to have to come at you because you have the advantage. You've got two asteroid fields, so you're getting more points than them. I mean, God, it seems really good. And if they just abandon their asteroid field, you know, fuck, it's it's so good. This one. It really also is not pretty for like black dice fleets, you know. So. Well, yeah, like if a black dice, like it, like if an MC thirty with, if your first player. You know who loves this? Sato. Oh, God. Like Sato with Ordnance Experts on MC30 Scout, right? And you're just like, the chances of getting like your crits are so high, right? Like, you're rolling black dice at long range? Oh, my God. I'm bringing a fleet of justice to this, right? Please, no. The problem is that you're not taking like superior positions or slow chrono when you take this, but this is a really fun one. That is true, yeah. I think that one's amazing. It's an A for me, dude. It's an A it's for an me. A. It's, it's bordering on S, but I would say it's not no. an S because like, I haven't played it that much. It's not S because it doesn't scare someone away, like terrify them from picking it. You don't think like, so? I think put, it does. You put, I don't think it we does. We just haven't played like, enough, dude. Like, like the special maybe. rule, the setup, um, the points potential. You know, it it's just a, it's, it seems incredibly good. But it doesn't say, see, the first sentence isn't your, the first player must deploy all ships and squadrons before yeah, the second Yeah, but Fire Lanes doesn't say that either. And Fire That's Lanes true. is an S. But this yeah. has... I think Fire Lanes can be abused more than this, though. Because, like, Ezra and Gravship Rerod are a one-time only thing. That's true. Whereas, like, Strategic with Fire Lanes is, like, infinity points over and over and over. I just think fire lanes at all, even if you don't have strategic as infinity points. It can be, yeah. Yeah. A-card. All right. Well, that's our show. That's our show. Thanks for listening. See y'all next time. Oh, next, next episode is um, we're going to do Clone Wars review.
I will tell you that I took pity on you, and I got a cup uh, with a straw with no ice in it. Thank you. <laughs> so now my water drinking uh, won't be as loud as it was before. Yeah. It's not that it was loud. It's that you drink while you're talking. And so I can't just erase your, your water shit. How can I drink while talking? You'll be Isn't like, that like some sort of... You'll like be saying something and you're like... And then you like keep going on with oh, your Oh, like point. in the middle of a sentence, I'll stop to drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought that yeah, it, added tension. It does, but it also is annoying mm. when I'm like trying to have just our voices and you're like... With your drink and I'm like... Shut up. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you've looked at the notes, but I added extra shit. Ah, you son of a bitch. I basically got a bunch of episodes planned out that we oh, could do. Oh, I did see that stuff. Just so we, like, the next episode we're going to do is like, is like, Is like one second. Oh, Sarah is home. She like left a bit ago, and then I heard like shit clattering around in the house, and I was like, "Fuck!" Oh, you thought you were dying. I thought I was fucking dying. Yeah. Well, like I heard the faucet like like going off and like clattering and shit, so. It was either like someone else was in the house or like the sink exploded and was gushing water everywhere. But I'm pretty sure like a robber would not stop to clean dishes. So I mean, they might have been washing their hands before they murdered you. No, 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 no